defines our existence, defines our purpose, I should say, for our existence. We are eyewitness, excuse me, not eyewitness, I should say, we are witnesses to the greatest news that has ever been given. First of all, we enjoy sweet communion with God ourselves through this glorious gospel that God has brought on our behalf through the Son. Secondly, as we enjoy God ourselves through his finished work through King Jesus, we want all to taste this sweet goodness of God that we ourselves have experienced. Not that we just talk about, but we know God. Through the gospel, we've been reconciled personally to God ourselves. And we love him and adore him and worship him. And we long for others to taste and see that the Lord is good and the goodness of God is so clearly declared in the gospel of God. So Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was born of the descendant of David according to the flesh, Declared to be the Son of God in power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, all those in Rome who are loved of God, are beloved of God, called to be Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First thing we see in this holy text is that the gospel of God was the boundary marker around the apostle Paul. Paul gives three descriptive terms about himself as the writer or dictator, as we should say, he dictated this letter to a man by the name of Tertius, which we find out in Romans chapter 15. But nonetheless, he's the author of the letter. And so as he delineates who he is, describes who he is, characterizes himself, the first thing he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. First and foremost, Paul wants us to know him and the people of Rome as a slave of Christ Jesus. Now, we brought out the significance of that somewhat last time, but there's more still. And of course, anybody who's ever preached the word of God realizes that at the end of the day, they feel they've never preached the word of God. Because it's inexhaustible. Because the God who inspired this book, breathed out this book, is inexhaustible. So nobody's going to plumb up the depth of what's written here. But there is definitely more to this whole matter of being a slave of Christ Jesus. I want you to remember what kind of person is Paul. He was raised in the strictest sect of the religion, the Judaism of his day, the religion of the Jews. He heard over and over again the great Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. So he was strictly a monotheistic Jew. He worshipped one God and one only. Uh, and now here he is saying that he is a slave, both body and soul, to Christ Jesus. This expression was used in the Old Testament, except the name Christ Jesus was not used. For instance, in Joshua chapter 24, verse 29, this is what the text says there, Joshua 
the whole letter. And I can't do that. You know you can't. You can memorize it word for word. You can read it daily.
is the apostles had a foundational role to play for the church. But I believe since God doesn't change and since he has immutable character, that this is the way he works today as well. The foundation's already been laid, so we're not looking for apostles. But we are looking for those who have been sovereignly called by the King of Heaven to declare his name among the nations. That's what we're looking for. And God still does this. So we must see when God shows that a person is gifted to proclaim his truth, we need to acknowledge that. That's the sovereign work of God in the life. This person is gifted to do what God has called him to do to proclaim him. Okay? It's the work of God. It's the call of God. And as the church recognizes God's calling on an individual, they need to acknowledge that, just like the church in Acts. Acknowledge that. This is what they're called to do. It's evident to all. They lay their hands on them. They say, hey, this is, this is what we want. So Bethel, as you step forward, continue. Do this. You need to know whether the next person is gifted by God to proclaim his holy word that God has called them sovereign. You need to know that the churches that they've been involved in have experienced, have known, have come to know that yes, the hand of God is upon this individual, that God has called them to preach the word of the Lord. You need to have that in your faith. It's been recognized by the church, providentially, in time, what God has orchestrated in eternity. Follow me? Syrians were besieging God's people and 
See, the daughters of the Philistines rejoice and exult because their soldiers had won the battle. They won the war. Saul was taken down. Their enemy, a decisive victory, has been fought and has been won. It's now time to celebrate. Rejoice in the good news that you've just heard. The gospel is not news that you need to do something. The gospel is the good news that something's been done on your behalf. That's what it is, first and foremost. The gospel is for you to hear what God has accomplished through His Son on your behalf. And if you understand who you are and who God is, that is the best news that you've ever heard in all your life. It's not from a puny emperor who's a sinner like you, but from the God who created the universe whom you've spurned by your own sin against him, who's made peace with all who will look to his son alone for what his son did in dying for our sins. First of all, living the perfect life and then dying the death we deserve and rising again and giving us all strength. How God has made peace with us all. It's the best news ever. That's what the good news is, first and foremost. <laughs> you follow me? It's the news of victory. God is won. He's overcome.
Caesar pours out his wrath on messengers that distort his message. How much more the Holy God in heaven? If anyone preaches another message than what I preach to you, says Paul in the book of Galatians, even if it's an angel from heaven, let him be accursed, anathema, condemned to hell.
was God's promise fulfilled in the Old Testament. Look at what the text says. Which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The gospel is not an afterthought with God. This isn't just some, oh, I think I'll do it this way. Oh, they rejected my son? Oh, I didn't see that coming. Whoops. That's, that's not how this works. I guess I'll just make him now a sacrifice for sin. No. He's been saying he was going to do this for a long time now. Okay? Isaiah 53 would be a case in point. That was about approximately 800 years before Christ was conceived in the virgin's womb. So, this is not some afterthought. This is not something that doesn't have great continuity with the Old Testament. So, in fact, just how old is this? Well, 1 Corinthians 2.7 puts it this way, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God which God decreed before the ages for our glory. How old is this truth of Christ crucified and all the grace poured out on God's people through that finished work? You just said before the ages. Do you know anybody that was alive before the ages? There's only one person that I can think of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because He is from everlasting to everlasting. How about John 17, 24? Where Jesus in His priestly, high priestly prayer, if you will, before He leaves earth, gives us an example of what our great King does at the right hand of God. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, let that slip your lips? If you're a Christian here today, if you're a love gift from the Father to the Son, just close your eyes. Is there any stuff right there? Is that the dog? 
You'd read this book and you'd be like, man, the conflict never got resolved. 
concerning the Son. Son of God added to himself the nature of man. 
and be raised again to prove it's all true. Oh, great God, our hearts, oh Lord, should be so full of thanksgiving, so full of worship, so full of praise to the great King of Heaven. As the Philistine daughters would rejoice over a military victory, God, we should rejoice that heaven has been won, hell has been defeated, sin has been triumphed over, death no longer rules. You're on the throne, and you alone, Jesus of Nazareth, Son of God in power. Oh, we bless you and praise you. And I pray that every heart in this room would love you, adore you more as a result of being here today for your own glory. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.